Welcome to the 41st episode of the CKTH podcast. I'm John Vincent Campbell, and this installment, CKTH's final published pod of 2023, is with Mariah Ernst and Tembi Hanafi, founders of the new surf magazine, Emotion. The world, surfing or otherwise, always needs more uplift, and via their shared passions for surfing and compassionate storytelling, Mariah and Tembi's creative efforts have since been celebrated across a global surf landscape. So big ups and much respect to everyone who transforms their vision into reality. Cheers and enjoy, and happy holidays. How's it going? Good. How are you here? Doing well. Tammy, Mariah, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this is great. So where in the world are you at this very moment? We're in Ohio, California, which is where I live. And yeah, Mariah has is over here staying for a couple of days we're doing our emotion business retreat <laughs> yeah and how was yeah. uh, how was set a retreat that yeah it's been great um so yeah when we started emotion three and a little bit years ago we had never met we were only instagram friends and then we did two shoes and one year before we met for the first time in person um here in like Ohio and LA and then yeah it's been two years since we met and so we're yeah we're only getting five days together but yeah it's been it's been great to have you know the company the uh the buy you know the biannual company retreat <laughs> here in beautiful Ohio. it's wonderful that they you know <laughs> that we can be here and yeah okay be- so so just to kind of keep it on the on the topic I don't want to you know, step on some of the questions here, but um, how would you guys describe Ojai? Because I'm a Southern Californian and I know that everyone talks about how like the sun sets in a different direction there and how there's like an energy vortex and like whatever else. So like, <laughs> if you can, just like speak openly to this sweat lodge called Ojai. Yeah, I guess it, there is word on the street that it is an energy vortex. I definitely feel very relaxed when I'm here, but... Yeah, it's just a really beautiful town. Um, it's nice because, I mean, I my boyfriend and I moved here just before COVID and he had the idea to move and I was a bit like, oh, but it's not near the beach. Like, it'll be a little bit water dry where I just didn't really get it. But then we came here and, yeah, actually living away from the ocean is really special, living in the mountains, and then you just drive 20 minutes down to the beach. So it's kind of like... It is a little surfy, it's a little bougie, it's a little farmer, hillbilly. It's all all of those things together. And there are beautiful sunsets, yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, you know, having lived in Bali for a while, and yeah, I think I feel like that qualifies me to speak towards energy vortexes. <laughs> I've heard a lot spoken about them, but yeah, I would say that it's kind of like special where it's surrounded by ocean and it's a little bit more rural than a lot of other places in um, Southern California. And there also seems to be a lot of like hot springs and beautiful places to swim. Like it's a summer and yesterday I went to this beautiful creek with a ton of like, yeah, a ton of beautiful water swim. So yeah, it's definitely pretty special. Can you guys shout out either... Uh, a long-standing established restaurant or a startup uh, eatery that you think deserves some recognition? <laughs> yeah, Mariah's obsessed with the Rainbow Bridge, our closest grocery store, which I love too, but I live here and I spend a lot of money at Rainbow Bridge when I should probably be going to Trader Joe's, so... Yeah. Yeah. Rainbow Bridge is a good treat. And they also, I blacked out there and like left without like grabbing a couple items and they let me come back and get them. So, huh. he blacked out there. I'd be like, just 
spiritually you blacked out or and in ball i live in ball like they don't have a lot of like fun stuff like they have in the grocery stores here so basically it was just so excited so yeah they, they're great they have a lot of like yeah they have a lot of good stuff little okay. you know little it's a bit of a treat money-wide but rainbow bridge shout out um all right so where are you both from originally just to mark it I was born in New Zealand. I'm half New Zealand, half South African. And then I quickly moved to Australia when I was a baby. And so, yeah, I grew up in Oz. I was raised there until I was like 19. I lived there. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was born in Maine, like rural Maine. And then went to school on the coast. And I went and did a year exchange program in Bali as a teenager. And so I went to local school, lived in Denver Star, and I probably went to the beach like 10 times the whole year. Um, and so, yeah, I've been back and forth from Bali for like 20 years. Um, so that's also him. So yeah. And talking about, like you said, talk about the difference between like the Kenny Bunkport, Maine, and whatever your description of rural Maine is. Yeah, so there's definitely two Mains. There's like um four-wheeler maybe it's like a four-wheeler i have actually yeah, this was growing up i would spend a ton of time in rural maine recently but it's like yeah growing up it was like four-wheelers nascar snowmobiles um and uh yeah just spending a lot of time outside too because in different ways um because you know there wasn't there wasn't much to do inside. There was a lot of the outside um, to enjoy. So I grew up on the river. My dad had a whitewater rafting company. So everyone, yeah, despite, it was really cool. Um, but yeah, everyone up there just had like a beautiful grasp on kind of like uh, the outdoor world. And there was a lot of hunting. Like we had llamas and llamas are the pack animal from South America. And they're, uh, they're actually raised to protect sheep. I believe, yeah, pretty sure sheep. Um, and we had a bunch of llamas. And one time a coyote came through town and all the llamas jumped in the 10 foot fence. All the llamas, including the baby llama, jumped over the fence and they chased the coyotes out of town. So they were gone for a couple of days. Yeah, we we had no we had no idea that they could get out of the fence or anything. They jumped over the fence, they chased the coyotes out of town, and then they jumped back in the fence. And wow. they're eating their pellets. Um so yeah, that was one of the highlights growing up in rural Maine. That we used to snowmobile everywhere, like snowmobile to school and, um, you know, during the winter and, you know, things like that. And then, you know, the coast is like LB Maine. Um, yeah, it's a little bit, it's like, you know, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. It's kind of like uh, a lot of like boating, old money, boating and yachting. And, you know, like it's a lot of like uh, white, that type of white people up tightness. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, that only kind of like waxy Protestants can do. So those are kind of like the two mains. A lot of aviator sunglasses with like the hat. Oh, I don't know. Ray-Ban, like Kennedy. Yeah, a lot of boating and a lot of like coded language and very uptight, a lot of gin. Clear alcohols. Clear alcohols. All right. Yeah. And, and then shout out to, I, I saw that Madre Mescal sponsored something that you guys did. Speaking of clear alcohols. Um, yeah. And I just want to recognize that. to step on. I've been a customer out of theirs without, without knowing a single person that worked there. But I got to say, um, top notch on the product. Yes. Oh, nuts. We love Madre. <laughs> so given um, your respective home zip codes and kind of like well-traveled uh, influence, you know, how does that sort of just like, you know, inform your perspectives for what you're doing right now with emotion? Ooh, um, wow, that's like a, yeah, that's a doozy of a question. I feel like... I, yeah, growing up in Australia, I didn't surf. It was really overwhelmingly macho and like shreddy, short body kind of energy when I was a young little whippersnapper. Um, so yeah, I did not surf in Australia. My dad really wanted me to surf, but I was like, I was like, nah, not about it. So I moved to New York 
um, when I was 19 or 20, actually. I moved to New York when I was 20 and lived there for like eight years. And about halfway through it, I was getting really, um, really tired of New York because it's a very tiring, taxing place to live. I was living in the city. And one of my friend's boyfriends surfed and he, her, he and her moved out to Rockaway Beach. And we were kind of like, what are you guys doing? Like, you're crazy. Like, why are you going out there? So we went there that summer and we kind of visited them here and there. And I hopped on a foamy and, you know, caught a couple of waves and whatnot. And then a bunch of my girlfriends, we all, we worked in fashion. Like we worked at a clothing label that did fashion week and, you know, just totally the opposite of Rockaway Beach in that experience. Um, but we were all a little bit tired of it. So we all decided to move to Rockaway for a summer. And after that, a lot of us ended up staying. Um, so we lived this kind of double life of like waking up at the crack of dawn and like going surfing, um, no matter what the conditions even that was really shitty. Um, and just kind of pushing ourselves as a group of women and a couple of really awesome guys as well who taught me in a lot. Um, and then, yeah, we'd hop on the train at like 7 a.m. We've already surfed for an hour and then like head into Manhattan to our corporate jobs with like a little bit of seaweed sticking out of our hair, which we accidentally got to comb out. And um, yeah, and then so that really informed my perspective. And I think that New York has such it probably has, I mean, I can't really say this for sure, but out of a major city in America, it probably has the most diverse surf scene. And it's just such a surreal scene. Like you can catch the subway to the beach. There's like planes flying overhead from JFK. Sometimes it snows. Like it's just such a crazy place. But that being my main entry point into surfing really influenced the way I do things now, not to mention just living in New York and spending a lot of time there. Um, so yeah, that's really pivotal moment for me. And then I did end up getting tired of the plane noises overhead and <laughs> all the hustle and bustle. So I moved to California because it's really nice and it's not as cold and waves are better and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I'll never, I'll never lose that perspective. And yeah, the culture of New York is unbeatable. Um, the people are unbeatable in the sense of community. Yeah, that like paved the way for me, I think. So, Raya. Um, yeah, Rockway is, is so special. And yeah, that's so cool. That's how you learned. Um, and yeah, and growing up in Maine, my parents did a great job with just, we did everything outside. They could grow where water rafting and kayaking, camping. So basically, if you could, if that was an activity you did outside, we know we tried it or did it at some point. And so when I went to your Bali, uh, I was naturally really drawn to surfing and my exchange program didn't allow me to because it's too dangerous. They were, they were very much, yeah, you're a girl, you can't surf, but it's too dangerous. Um, and so they did let me go unchaperoned to the beach a couple of times towards the end. And I just approached a group of surfers, local surfers, and I just made friends with them. And then, yeah, I got them. I uh, got them to teach me. That's actually, um, yeah, I actually was taught by a Balinese prince in Umas. Uh, not Umas, um, where was it? Oh, 70 So shout out to Ngun. Thank you. Um, I got put on a short board and just quickly deposited into the Kuda shore break. So I just went over the falls a bunch on a short break, uh, on, on the shore break. <laughs> And then kind of learned from there and was able to get on short, like a longboard at some point. And yeah, that's how I started. And then, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of like, yeah, that's how I started surfing. And then in terms of like, you know, moving towards motion. Um, yeah, I actually started working for surf publishing in Bali after I graduated from school and um, just always trying to push diverse stories, especially like women and um, underground characters or any type of diverse, inclusive stories. It wasn't just about performance surfing. Was really hard in surf publishing, but I feel like those were where the rich, interesting stories were. And I basically had like I don't know, yeah, twelve years of of 
tears just trying to push those through and so Tenby damn dreams. Yeah, so okay, so classic question. Uh when and how and where did you both meet? Like meet me or digitally meet, whatever. Like when is this Genesis moment? Um, I think we we connected before on social. I think when you were doing the full moon stuff things, you you must we must have mutual friends. Yeah. Right. Just hit me up on Instagram. So we were Instagram friends. Um and we chatted like here and there, but I think there was a lot of, um, obviously during the pandemic and the Black Lives Matter movement, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot going on on social media and I remember connecting over some, some publication posting like a black square and saying nothing else. And I was like, mm, okay, like, why are you doing that? Like, you don't even like, you can't even acknowledge your part in uh, holding a uh, mostly white perspective basically and like why are you just giving this some like kind of a little bit of lip service now like where where is it being by that basically um and so i just reached out to mariah because i knew that she had been in the surf publishing industry for a little bit i wanted to get her perspective so we started chatting more um and then I think I made, I, this is super random and nerdy, but I made like a Google survey of all things to send out to my friends, kind of thinking about like, oh, I wonder what people would want to see in a magazine or like what would people want to see otherwise? So I sent it out to a bunch of friends and I sent it to Raya. And then, yeah, it lasted 24 hours. You responded to me like, are you thinking of doing a certain magazine? Because if so, I'm in. And <laughs> I was like, I have, like I've literally spoken to this woman for like 30 seconds total on Instagram. <laughs> but then we had a call and yeah, we just kind of hit it off. And I didn't really, I think with this project, it's been very serendipitous and things have really aligned nicely. So I'm grateful for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my grandmother has an expression or, you know, God rest her soul. She's uh, straight off the boat from Italy. And she would have this uh, comment that she would make um, that you never really know anyone until you've eaten a pound of salt with them, which, of course, takes a while to do. Right. You know, you think about it. Great saying. Uh, That's a good one. It's a good saying. Yeah. Please feel free to use uh, early and often. But. Yeah, you, you, you both obviously went out very much on a limb because, you know, it, to feel ready enough to professionally collaborate with someone is a pretty big leap of faith. Yeah. <laughs> Just at least. And I, you know, Mariah, I mean, I think it definitely stands to reason to call out the fact that the fact that you were like zeroing in on, you know, the, the, the Google survey you know, and just like sort of like putting out the vibes of like, all right, if this is a serve mag, like on your gal. Yeah. Yeah. So, and working at Tempe overall has been like, I've had other business and other business partners and done other projects in the past. And they've all been like really challenging, really difficult. My business partnerships have been, you know, pretty chaotic and, and unworkable. And then with Tempe, it was like a complete 180. Um, I, from the very beginning, it was a dream. You know, our energies were together amazing. I'm obsessed with everything she does. I love everything she does. You know, that was like, that is great. When we started working together, I was like, I love it. You know, she, I mean, pretty much 99.9% of everything she's ever shown me in any, you know, in any capacity, I'm like, yeah, I love it. I'm obsessed with it. And I feel, yeah, I feel so honored. And it's so crazy. I don't know anyone else who has it as good as me. And all, yeah, that's true, Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't know how I went from like oh, my last business partner, which was, I can write a book, but, and then to this, it's like worked really well. And so I don't even know what's a, what that's a test. I don't even know. I couldn't, I couldn't explain to someone how to do it. It's just like grace of grace of goddess. Um, but the survey, I think 
uh, obviously share the beautiful aesthetic. And then the survey did uh, kind of indicate a level of kind of like nerdiness and also <laughs> great nerdiness, but also a level of kind of organization and like push and like, um, like a kind of strategic approach that complements me very well. Uh, and uh, that kind of like structure has been really great for me. So yeah, I think there was an element that would have like indicated that energies would have been right. But yeah, they've been great. I wish this type of business partnership ops on everybody. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No, I, I think that that goes without saying. It's like so many incredible things can happen when there's everybody, whatever the cliche remark might be like rowing in the same direction or da, 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 da. but it's incredible when what kind of things can happen when people have their like hearts and minds and souls sort of planted planted uh, collaboratively um so okay so regarding emotion where where is like where would you say in the world that the organization is based oh where is based um between California and Indonesia. Yeah. Cali and Bali. Yeah. Yeah, it's been great. I've been back in Bali for a year now. Um, and yeah, it's been incredible because um, there's so many incredible minds in serving and they come through and then just having access to people like Koa Smith is like wonderful. And he was just staying at my friend's uh, beautiful spot. And, um, and I got to connect with him. And I love the work we did together. It's interview, photo shoot. And then you know, there's also all these, like, my friend Jed Smith, who's a writer, he's brilliant. He does it. This podcast ain't that swell. He's, like, one of those interesting writerly minds. And surfing, so all these, like, fascinating people in surfing are always coming through, and it does help a lot. Like, Kobe Atherton is this kind of, like, wild figure in surfing, and I did a story about um, gendered balance in surfing for this next issue, and I was able to chat with him in person about it because, um, you know, he is someone that's, for example, he's someone that's known for um, you know, his power in surfing and, uh, um, you know, so I got to ask his opinion on this, on this topic. And so it's really interesting to balance ideas also like, you know, all these different figures from like Indonesian people, people from all over the world. So yeah, it's been really helpful for me personally. It's been resulted. Yeah, it's been great. So, so yeah. What was that interview like about power and surfing? You said, sure. Um, oh, with Kobe. Yeah. So, um, um, yeah, writing us, it's a story about uh, Sailor, uh, Sarah Taylor and Charlie McCard. Sarah Taylor starts for uh, Stuffy and Charlie's this incredible filmmaker. She started off in skateboarding and now she's doing huge campaigns for like, Nike and Kylie Cosmetics and um, a lot of different other cool brands. And um, they had an incident of where a guy assaulted them on the beach. And so it's kind of about there and it went huge. It went viral in surfing. Um, and so staff picked it up, staff did three articles and they, the incident actually went public on a new, news publications everywhere. I think there was like a Pakistani news outlet picked it everywhere, states, Europe, it went absolutely international. Just this incident of, of violence, um, against them by these two men, um, they were Brazilian and they were on the nightly news in Brazil for weeks. They were on like, you know, the equivalent of like Dateline, MSNBC, um, and to talk about to talk about it and so um it's kind of like why did this incident have to happen for their incredible talents to be you know showcased and um and appreciated so it's really about their creative work and their incredible surfing and all the cool projects that they've done and kind of how this incident happened um and and then it didn't derail them and you know and it's also looking at gender violence and surfing overall and how it's handled by the surf industry. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to share it. And, um, yeah, I was able, you know, talking to Kobe about it, I was like, you know, I know that you've, uh, you know, been involved in violence before. And, you know, I would ask, you know, I asked him what he thought about violence against women surfing and what he thought about these two Brazilians. So it's kind of like, it's asking about violence to someone who's familiar with the violence um, and familiar with like the uses of violence. And so a little bit more familiar with it. I don't, um, so it's a little bit more nuanced and, um, and so, yeah, I just remember, I, he, I remember, you know, talking to him about it at a party and then um, texting him about it. Um, and he said some really thoughtful things that I wouldn't necessarily have thought of. And he didn't want to be named, but I'll just, 
you know, acknowledge that I learned, you know, from his perspective and was really, I really appreciated it. Um, and I recently, you know, he has been on a growth path, which I think has been really helpful to like Australian men. You know, he's been doing breath work and they've been trying to do some things. He definitely has some views that I don't agree with, but yeah. So that's, you know, that's the mix in Bali. It's not sometimes, yeah, you can get a lot of different perspectives and there's also a lot of people that I disagree with over there because we have, have very strong beliefs, but yeah, that's the, one of the, yeah, one of the ways that, you know, we all, we all cross paths and mix together in Bali. So a little bit of a layup question here, given everything you just sort of said, and thank you for that, um, surf media, colon, despite all of its sort of endless activity over the years, you know, do you think that it's journalistic chops, uh, have a tendency to simply hit cruise control and like, basically you see it, sir, journalism basically just play the hits. Is that kind of what you guys have seen over the years? All right. I'll speak to this one. I'll start first with myself. Cause that's a really, really good one. And I, I'm, I'm going to start first with myself on um, because I am a surf writer and a surf journalist and I definitely stuck to softer things. Um, and, uh, you know, previously there, I wasn't given an outlet to do, um, to do, to dig deeper into, um, you know, politics and I could play politics and economics with things. And then, um, you know, social issues and, uh, yeah, I, you know, personally, I think that I, there's a lot of places where I could have done better, you know, like this is probably, you know, boring for a podcast, but I could definitely done better and dug in more and um, things like that. But it just wasn't supported at all for by the industry. And then, yeah, huge shout out, huge shout out to Kyle Benuccio. He's our, an editor on our team. Um, he's the former editor of Surfer Journal, and he just has incredible writing and journalistic chops. And he's really helped me, especially with that piece that I just described because it is more a little bit more journalistic and then um, technique and style wise it is yeah it is a little bit of a push for me um and so yeah he's helped me tremendously i mean a lot of what i've learned and how i've been able to lean more journalistically into our stories is because of him and his support um stylistically and technically so he's a huge part of it but yeah it just wasn't supported that type of writing isn't supported by the industry at all and you know, I think, oh, I don't know how he would even go about, we'd go about doing it, but there's so much room, you know? And then there's, of course, all these incredible writers um, and journalists that um, do both, like, well, you know, William Finnegan, of course, is, you know, an incredible reporter, an incredible writer, and writes on a variety of things. I can't even, like, yeah, he's written incredible books outside of surfing. Maybe what he's done. And then also um, Michael Adno, who, who we work with, has written incredible articles for a number of different prominent publications that are um, really contribute, yeah, contribute um, substantial stories and substantial reporting on things in a really big way. And um, there's a couple of different, those two people I'm really familiar with, and there are others as well um, that do cross over. So a big shout out to them and to Kyle. But yeah, I mean, maybe we can encourage people the surf industry a little bit more but i don't really see it happening i don't see anything i don't see the trend going that way i don't see it happening in surf media yeah i, I see it kind of a you know clickbait um i love the i love the fun stuff in surfing i love the me i love everything from the silliest me to you know i love easy entertainment for sure and now no snob but um yeah i don't see it trending that way in any way but maybe i'm missing something yeah, I mean, it kind of ties into the way that we consume information these days. Like, print, love for print stuff is not, that's not the usual way that people ingest information anymore. And it, it was this kind of limited resource that, not limited in the sense of printing, but, you know, it was published by a couple of people and you bought a magazine and you read it and you didn't, you had TV maybe, but you didn't have social media. Um, but now information is bite-sized and it's consumed so quickly. Um, so I guess emotion is a conscious, um, answer to that in a way, because I hate reading things online and it makes my brain totally scrambled. <laughs> so I really appreciate reading 
a piece of paper as opposed to staring at a screen. So, yeah, we're trying. We keep it alive. What? And the magazine, it smells good. I heard a lot of reports that we heard a lot of reports that it smells great. People open it and they're like, oh my God, that's amazing. It amazing. I like, oh, I did, I did, I did catch that remark in an interview with Dirt, um, where the feedback was that the publication itself smells nice. So <laughs> you, you jumped ahead to a question I had. So I'll, I'll just address it here. Um, how would you describe? in exact or approximate terms, this particular printed bouquet. Printed what? Bouquet, scent. Oh. Perfume aroma. An aroma of light chemicals, light environmentally friendly inks, by the way. Water soluble, water soluble. (laughs) So water soluble eggs with a touch of earthy paper is what i would describe it as yeah and and <laughs> quite a bit of nostalgia too so nostalgia, like, yeah yeah it's like all those like inky papery so it's a little bit like yeah it's, it's like a little earthy little inky little like painty you know like a little like you know maybe we're you know around us just Naming gasoline in your use and read the book, you know, open yeah. yeah. Read books, then gasoline, you know, they go to all days. Like a permanent marker. That's right. That's probably better. Sorry. Just, yeah, just dual huffing, you know, marker, markers and gasoline. Yeah. Being markers like, are you to a shoe shop, like a, like when you go shopping for your back to school shoes and you go into like the Clark's shoe store and it just smells like mm, fresh leather. Now you're talking. Okay. Yeah. I read you. All right. Okay. I can get with this. So, um, so you mentioned stab, you mentioned that you have somebody on your staff who's from service journal. Um, so like, it seems like emotion very much like has this line of navigation, right. Between being polite yet being disruptive, right. Like creating new awareness versus, you know, <clears throat> explicitly calling things out the this dynamic and how far you guys feel either the obligation or seduction to kind of go there yeah i think that walking the walk talking the talk and walking the walk we just want to walk the walk and we have very clear values and very clear perspectives and things that we really believe in and that always guide us with what we're doing and i think by virtue of just doing that people recognize that and people recognize that integrity i guess not to say we haven't made mistakes before we definitely have but we'll always do our best to rectify them um but we do have very clear principles guiding us and therefore i think yeah the focus for us is just to try and make a magazine, a product as best as we possibly can and to focus on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was beautifully said. (laughs) That was beautifully said. I have nothing to add. I would like to let that stand alone. I have nothing to add to that. And then, yeah, it's interesting your question. I was like, oh, we're, it's good we're seeing it's polite. When you say, you know, we're polite and and thoughtful, I think, oh, we, that's beautiful, you know, because I have a lot of, you know, respect for the hard work that people put in. And, but I was like, well, maybe we could, we want punk too. Like, I don't you know, but we're not super polite all the time. Like, the, I mean, we also, the people that we interview, if they say something and they're like angry at something or annoying, like, we're not going to edit that out. Like, we'll just leave it in. Yeah. That's the, how, that's how they feel. And we're talking to someone because we align with their views or like, we even, we just, we value their perspective, I guess. So if they say something not polite, we're not going to filter it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like, we're pretty, I think like our, we're pretty like heartfelt with what we do and we have a lot of love for the industry and a lot of love for surfing and uh, we're pretty clear too, you know, and we'll, we're pretty like clear and direct and straightforward, like, you know, amongst us, you know, we'll say like, oh, wow, I really love surfers. Shall we? 
I didn't think, I think that made us do really low surface all covers. All their covers are absolutely phenomenally gorgeous. And every time I see one, I'm like, oh, um, I really love them. And then we'll be like, oh, you know, surface all content. Like, you know, I wish they had more diverse, you know, I wish they had more uh, diverse content and things like that. And it's like, well, you know, they are doing a great job for their audience too. So I think that we are able to like take each aspect of every magazine and like take, take each aspect of the comms and surfing. Um, and then, you know, if someone, if an individual comes and makes a mistake and, you know, um, doesn't honor a group or anything like that, we can speak to them and allow them to, you know, rectify it. And so I think that we have a really beautiful approach. Like, you know, a staff, staff is the behemoth, staff is like, um, you know, the big boy. Um, so I feel comfortable, you know, I feel comfortable talking about them but you know they did a great i don't know how i forget um they did a great job on um i forget her first name but she's titus kanimaka's daughter Lalingia. yeah um they did a great i just love their post on her and i sent it to them and it's like oh my god i love what sam did here like i absolutely love it like ah man like great perfect um i love the post i didn't read the article yet because i'm traveling and then there'll be other things where when stab um you know does clickbait where they'll post something on a trans surfer and they will turn on the comments and it seems like they'll be inciting hate speech and hate conversation about, you know, this, this wonderful, you know, trans surfer that we need to protect and celebrate, you know, we'll really, that's not okay. And that's, that's not something we support and we'll kind of publicly uh, speak about it. So, um, so I think, yeah, we, yeah, I think that we, yeah, are really clear with um, what our values and principles are and are happy to, you know, happy to jump in the conversation wherever we can and contribute clarity and, and heart and also, you know, contribute, you know, where we think that hopefully serving should head in terms of progressiveness. And, uh, cause you know, a lot of these, uh, uh, trans surfers and, and, you know, people of color and things like this, they're, they're so progressive and they're like really leading the way. And there's so much in their story to what they're doing, their thinking, and they're surfing for us to celebrate and 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 uh yeah for us to learn from and enjoy so yeah we see piece by piece with you know with the, with everybody including publications yeah i mean i think the nature of being a storyteller being in journalism and what in whatever capacity that you are like you mentioned things like uh clickbait or i don't even know what that is any longer because i think everybody and the brother is trying to get a clip right yeah um and yet at the same time it's like there is kind of this in journalism i think an obligation to be somewhat of a rebel even if you're rebelling against the rebel so i think that many surfers would sort of consider themselves to be rebellious or nomadic or you know yeah. like hurting a cat like they don't want to be corralled right yeah i i was strong yeah i'm not interrupting yeah the idea that like i do give a bit of a it's so a bit tired you know to think of like if you you know if you surf and you travel a lot and you surf and you're late to you know if you travel a lot and you surf like that somehow now you know the 70s and the 60s 50s 60s maybe that was slightly progressive and getting outside of societal norms but there's there's a lot of surfers that think they're progressive and they're not they're not at all yeah they're yeah that that is that is like you know i'm trying to like parse out the specifics yeah that's, that's the basics of you can good question so what are some of the pieces or interviews you guys have done that you're just are like really 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 proud of that you printed you publicized it and you feel like it almost didn't get enough love, so you want to kind of highlight it, you know, a second time. You want to go first? Yeah, go first. Um, the first, I think this is the first issue. I've read everything we've ever printed like ten times, but so we forget it. Like <laughs> <laughs> when? Um, but yeah, in the first issue, and it was the um, it was the women of Ma'aha. So during Rel Sun's era, Rel Sun is this, you know, of course, the very well known. Um, Queen and Makaha, um, Native Hawaiian woman that uh, yeah, was scrambled on border and a beautiful soul. And there's also a group of women that at that time 
um, who were also uh, involved and they were like surfing and they're doing lots of contests for the kids and there are these beautiful single mothers and single mothers raised surfing and then raising children to surf. And um, they were also um, sponsored by Dahui at the time where I think Dahui had started and was still quite poor to, um, you know, the, um, the Hawaiian, when the Hawaiian culture went, had a bit of a renaissance in the seventies where there's a lot of like reclamation with the whole and things like that. So that had moved into the eighties. And so there's this great photo shoot of the Makaha women in board shorts. And a lot of them are like beautiful and younger. A lot of them are like, you know, these powerful maternal figures. And that to me was like, I, yeah, I cried when we published it because I thought it was like such an important, beautiful part of, um, yeah, Hawaiian surf, like recent Hawaiian surf history. And it was written by um, a woman from from who was from that group as well. So I just really loved that one. And then um, Jaleesa Vincent, I got to rewrite something I wrote about her. Um, I was in like a grumpy mood. I was in like a bit of a phase when I wrote a version of the Surfer's Journal, and I was able, I was able to rewrite it. And anyway, she's just incredible, and it's I appreciate it her more now since. I written it and then shark girl kim who was this like sharker she would like um go after sharks and she was this she also like fostered women surfing um throughout the 80s and 90s so they would organize their own contest because it was just unsafe for women and for girls to be around men's contests um and because they would, you know, in Australian culture, like if they had, the, you know, kids contests and men's contests, like, it, you know, it just simply wasn't safe for young girls, like, and emotionally and I think spiritual and physically. So she had her own contests and fostered a lot of talent that way. And including, you know, being this great adventure. So those are just the first three. And then Benny's Club was also the first. I loved everything done. <laughs> it's pause. A love That's just the first issue. Yeah, Ugh. that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, what are some you? That's yeah, that's the first issue. Much more, but yeah, I don't. I mean, I always do more photographically, I guess, because yeah. I'm I do the graphics and commissioning, photography, and so I'm a very visual person. But I I always wind up really loving our wordballs segment which we do every issue and every issue we feature a new group of low balls for a particular area but you know that's a very loaded word and so the goal of that um segment in the magazine is to kind of turn that on its head a little bit um but one of my favorites shout out to brian mitchell who shot a group of young boys and girls in Brazil in Rio de Janeiro um, and his photography was so beautiful and the way that he captured um, their story and told their story um, basically that's a really amazing sun break right out in front of the biggest favela in Rio um, and he told the stories of the kids who live and stuff there and that was really touching um, and just really beautiful and then the most recent locals we've done we published um, was about a group of black women surfers in LA and yeah living and surfing in LA it's so it can be so gnarly sometimes so there's so many crowds and so many grumpy old old people old dudes well it's it's mostly old dudes <laughs> like old people it's like a couple of older women out there who rip, but anyways. Yeah. But yeah, basically this group of women is just really changing the dynamic in their own community of leaders in their own sense and their own right. And just to give them um, an added platform, I mean, they each have their own platforms and social media, but to bring their stories together as well and to bring their thoughts together. And yeah, just to hear their very like broad candid take on What's it like being a local LA surfer, especially if you're not someone who, you know, I think of a local LA surfer, you wouldn't think of a young black woman. So yeah, these women are really doing a lot to the culture and the community and they're just very special individuals. So yeah. Um, so I, I guess the uh, the culmination question here is just over the next 
you know, 12 months, what success might look like for both of you. Perfect. How are we talking about? Yeah, we just aligned on our um on our goals for 2024. And yeah, I mean, emotion doesn't, it's not like a giant money maker or anything, but we are trying to increase that just so that we can pay our contributors more, pay ourselves a little bit. That'd be nice. Yeah. Um, create more, blah, 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 all those things. So we, it, this is very dry, but we're actually focusing um, a lot of energy on direct consumer growth through Instagram, uh, blah, blah, blah. And we kind of feel like, I mean, we're always going to keep pushing our creativity, our writing, our photos, our everything, but we do feel like we're in a really good groove in creating the actual product. So now we just want to um, make the effort to get it out there more and create some wealth abundance to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Anything I can Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think we both feel really happy and just, yeah, for me, for me, making the magazine is like a dream. And I'm just so happy. It's like everything I've ever wanted to do. And then I think we both feel better and better about the product. And we're also more solid. You know, we've got timelines down. I'm not like, you know, for the couple issues we're starting, I didn't even know what plane. And I was like, you know, I was really swimming through the timeline um, and start fishing through it. Um, but yeah, now, you know, we feel really comfortable, confident in our partners. So these incredible merch partners. Our printers, our printer is amazing, and our they had a better. Yeah, we have like a, all the contributors are so heartfelt and so amazing and so skilled. So we, we just work with all these incredible people, and, and um, so now it's like, okay, well, how can we share it? So we're like, come what we have. We have merch. Are both of these sweatshirts your merch? This is not, this is a really cool, uh, what's the story, right? It's like a, a black owned like streetwear brand, like in the, we're, we're actually discussing like, is this, would it pre or post juicy? Cause the like, the font is quite similar. Yeah. I'm, we need to research that. Yeah. I don't know. But this is out. Okay. But can't tell me you're not wearing the band's t-shirt. I'm not wearing the band t-shirt. I wear it like, we have an event. Thank you, Zion. That's So, yeah, we got merch and we're super happy with the product and continues to improve. And now we're, yeah, we just got to share it mm-hmm. and share it and grow it. Um, and yeah, you know, and what we talked about this week too is like emotion is not niche at all. It's probably the least niche of all the search magazines out there. So we're smaller, but I think we appeal to, you know, the widest range of people. Mm-hmm. We have, Art, culture, design, politics, yeah. um, social issues, environmental issues. Like I think, you know, I think that there's we I one of my fetishes is like doing something for everyone. Doesn't not make anyone happy, but I think that there's something that like anyone they pick up an issue. Yeah. Uh, like, well, like, so, you know, being able to share it and create just create abundance and the ability for us to, you know, comfortably can you uh, devote more to the magazine and be able to serve our community better? Yeah. Well, phenomenal. I mean, I I definitely get, I think everyone who looks at what you're doing gets the uh, genuine nature of it. The spirit of it comes through, you know, buzzword alert, but like very authentically. And I think that there's like a notion of, you know, being up unapologetic about where you want to take things that's also like super refreshing and inspiring. So, you know, I want to sort of just pay a big ups to both of you for getting together and making something happen in the world for real. Thank you. It's been fun. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Great. Yeah. And it's only going to be more fun, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotten better and better. Like I remember so one of my friends is an incredible, uh, does magazines and he's like, oh, it gets harder after the first one. I guess the first one you had like a lot of fresh ideas of that. Yeah, the first one was so hard and it's just got yeah, easier, easier. Yeah. It got way easier. And you know, there's some tears, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, there's like a little bit of like, oh, well, there'd be enough story. Like we have more, like we're pushing, we're basically pushing stories because we're like, oh, we're kind of full in this issue. So we'll push it to next. Yeah. So, and good. 
yeah we get like each issue like the yeah content richness just go you know it kind of like it'll do you know it'll be different each issue but i feel like it's just yeah getting richer or yeah stays the same or yeah it's been great there's lots of the big world lots of great stories hang out it is a big world and i think it goes without saying that a lot of people out there still need to you know have their stories represented in the right way and i think that that's you know it's it's very cool that people can rely on you and emotion you guys and your efforts and your team to do that for them so yeah we'll do our best for sure yeah and one of the funnest parts of like we we do get a lot of great contributions and one of the like fun tidbits is that i we set out a call for contributions and we got you know beautiful heartfelt ideas but maybe you know um you know, not not a ton we can use sometimes, but um, I sent out a call for poems. People with poems, and I sent out a call for poems, and that has like we've gotten the most contributions and the most high quality contributions. So some of our readership is like inclined when, to poetry. Yeah, and they're like great, like good poets are like overly represented, or like a lot of our readers are great poets are like poets, and every. Almost all the poems that have been contributed have been lovely, like <laughs> masterful and like good. So that I was also like completely surprised and delighted that poetry is maybe not alive in print form, but poetry is, I can say for sure, it's a poetry people alive in the hearts and notes app and computers and notebooks of people today. I love it. It's our readers. Yeah. Yeah. We also had a We've had a crossword before and we're about to publish a recipe so watch out we're just we like to get creative with it <laughs> well thank you so much to you both uh for you know taking the time especially during your uh all important you know once a year retreat <laughs> well so you know i would welcome you guys back you know onto the ckth pod again sometime in the future whenever you like and uh, like I said, thank you so much for just uh, sharing more of yourselves, you know, today. Thanks for having us. It was great. Uh, thanks, John. All right. Well, don't be strangers and uh, safe travels. Thank you so very much. All right. Great to chat to you. Likewise. Cheers. Right. Thanks for the love. And that's it. I can't promise it. 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 And that's it